Okay, there you go. It is recording. I have no idea how I'm going to sound tonight. The few times I have tried talking today, I had to repeat myself a fair number of times. I wasn't making many good sounds. But there you go. We'll give it a try anyway. This, that, and the other thing. This other thing happens to be lukewarm tea that I've let sit in my mug far too long. Now, I know this blog is supposed to be to encourage people and make the world cheerful because there's too darn much ugly in the world. But every now and again, that ugly just sort of reaches up and gives a grab and you feel the tug of reality, or at least I do. It doesn't last long, mind you. But, uh, boy, all of the mass shootings in America, the police that are way out of line and out of control. I mean, for every one that we see pull his gun and threaten and do silly, stupid things, I gotta wonder how many we don't see. Um, People just don't complain or they let it go or decide it's not worth it for whatever reason. And over here in Southeast Asia, China is flexing her muscles once again. They have what's called the Dash 9 map. a silly little map that was drawn up, I think, in the late 40s, early 50s, or 1940s, 50s. It wasn't very long ago anyway. And it's nine dots and dashes that go around what they call the South China Sea or And so they claim that territory because they have that map. And, of course, it uh, interferes with Japan and with the Philippines, uh, with Vietnam and anybody else that's got a bit of real estate in this part of the world. Plus, it interferes with what is referred to as freedom of of travel, freedom of sailing. Uh, What the South China Seas is, is one of the world's major choke points. A lot of east-west traffic goes through there, north and south, and whoever controls it pretty much controls the economy of half the world and uh, China has been 
building up so that it can take control. They have got, depending on how you add things up, the world's first or second largest navy. Now, this is not a navy that would have done much in World War II. It hasn't got an awful lot of aircraft carriers. It's got one that I'm aware of that was a Russian leftover that they picked up for scrap and rebuilt it into an active aircraft carrier. And I think they've got one other. So they have two maximum. They have no battleships. Um, a few submarines, mostly um, diesel-powered. They, they uh, don't go to sea and have to stay at sea for a long time, so diesel works. What they do have, though, is an incredible number of landing craft and troop carriers. They can get a whole bunch of people and weapons to any place in the South China Sea or any other little bit of water around China real quick. Uh, they wanted to invade, pick your country, they say the Philippines. It'd take them about a day and a half. Now, the United States has got um, mutual defense agreements with any number of countries over here. So in theory, if China makes a big, bold move and does something she's not to, America comes in and uh, things either shut down or escalate real quick, one of the two. Now, I don't know if America's gonna do anything. I do know that China deposited 200 fishing boats, large fishing boats, which they call militia boats, militia fishing boats, <coughs> which leaves one, leaves one to think that they may have uh, weapons on board and people trained to use them. They brought 200 of them and parked them outside a reef small island uh scared away the filipino fishermen well i'd be scared too and these guys filipino fishermen are out in itsy bitsy teeny weeny little boats and these guys show up with really big boats uh, if you've watched uh the deadliest catch the, that uh, crab fishing <coughs> show that was filmed in the Bering Sea. Gotta do my throat. Some of those boats were pretty big, and none of those boats were as big as the ones that China put into the South China Sea. And America didn't do much. Yeah, so be it which is probably pretty good. Um, they see the thing about the South China Sea, aside from 
being a choke point, there's an incredible amount of oil and uh, fish, natural gas, all sorts of natural resources under the water and under the surface of the water. And China wants it. China's going to get it more than likely. And China is pushing Biden. Russia is pushing Biden. Um, there are Russian troop movements. Uh, whether or not they actually invade any of those newly freed states or nations, call them what you will, uh, that were formed after the collapse of the Russian Empire is uh, hard to say, but we'll see what happens. It, a lot depends on uh, Biden. He's pulling troops back from Afghanistan, and the last I heard, it's going to take them right out, which sounds like a good idea. Um, let the people do their own thing over there. But you got to remember that Afghanistan is one of the few places you can get people moving east and west in that part of the world. And Afghanistan has got a lot of natural gas and oil and um, mineral wealth in the ground. And again, it's a natural choke point. And America has been there for, what, I don't know, 20 years, 15 years, longer than I can remember. And they have no more luck there than the British did. You may have heard the charge of the Light Brigade. Well, that was in that part of the world. England could not defeat the people that live there. I mean, these are really good fighters who are tough as nails. And so we're going to see what Russia does over there, what China does. Biden's pulling out of Afghanistan. As I say, that sounds good, but is he going to bring the troops home? Or is he going to put them to another part of the empire's outer borders? If you look back at the Roman Empire, you may find a fair bit of similarity in the way they're collapsing, the American and the Roman, that is, collapsing. You send your people out to fight on the borders to keep the enemy from fighting on your territory. And as the... Uh, people of the empire degenerate. Uh, you simply have to bring your people farther and farther in until they're defending the homeland borders instead of the empire borders. And then you get dictatorships and stuff like that. And America's about halfway there already. So is he going to start pulling out of the outside borders? 
to defend the homeland borders? Time will tell. But if he is, he's going to have to do the gun control that he's doing because you want to somehow limit <coughs> the firepower of your population if times are going to get bad. Oh, itchy throat. You know, there's another little lesser known statistic. On January January 6th, when the, they tried for that coup, about 20% of the people were active, were, were employed by or were employed previously by the police and the military. Uh, there were a lot of people fighting that were carrying badges. And there are a lot of police forces that have been really armored up. I mean, they, they've got armored personnel carriers and uh, small, not tanks because they're on wheels, but these things come with fair-sized cannon on them. Their, their police have got full body armor and latest weapon technology. The police, if they're not on your side in America and they wanted to, could really, really do a lot of damage. And I am finding this is this, that, and the other thing. We're moving on to that uh, after this. Uh, that there is a um, iconic now motorcycle in England, and there is apparently um, a real subgroup of hardcore fanatics. And it's not Harley Davidson. It's not Triumph. It's not BSA or Kawasaki or Suzuki or Honda. It's Royal Enfield. And it's not even the biggest Royal Enfield. It seems to be the 500cc model um, has got an incredible cult following. Single cylinder, uh, 500cc's. It was produced uh, in one form or another for the last, I think, 82 years. It's the longest in-production motorcycle in the known universe. It uh, isn't a replica of an old bike. It's an old bike that has been brought up to today's standards for pollution and anti-lock braking and what have you. I think there's anti-lock braking on it. I'm not sure. But uh, it's built the old way. It's a single cylinder, a thumper. And it hasn't got a whole bunch of dials and what have you. I mean, I took a, a look at the new Triumph Bonneville 1200 cc vertical twin scrambler, which to me is a strange concept. 
but this thing was just decked out with computer gear. You turn your switch and you've got it, it will automatically set up the suspension and what have you for highway riding. Turn it to another place. It's for wet highway riding. Turn it to another position. It goes to uh, rough road, easy trail riding. And if you turn it to another position, it's flat out go crazy. It's a scrambler. Give it your best shot because you've got total control. And your your speedometer and tachometer are all computerized. You can have just a big speedometer. You can have a tachometer. You can have this or that or bright or dim or God knows what else. But it's just this incredible machine of state-of-the-art whiz-bang computerized motorcycling, which is probably a good thing i'm not knocking it but the royal enfield has got a speedometer a high and low beam indicator left and right turn signal indicator i don't think it's got a neutral light um it's got a tail light but when you turn the key on what you got is what you get. It, it just goes and it hasn't got a lot of computers and it kind of vibrates and it flumps. I mean, you got this big piston going up and down, not a whole bunch of power. But as one person put it, it's enough power to have fun and not enough to scare you. Uh, travel all day at 50, 55 miles an hour. It looks beautiful. And they have just quit making it. So it's going to get expensive. But there are riders that have just gone back dead, um, bike after bike, to get one more when the other wears out. A whole cult is following that. Uh, see, Royal Enfield was a, is the longest-running production motorcycle in history, the 500 was the single longest motorcycle um, in history. And it started off as a, a British company, Royal Enfield, makes sense. And then in the late 50s, early 60s, it moved to India. And uh, when Triumph, Norton, BSA were going down the tubes no uh, royal enfield was producing uh 350 singles 500 cc singles smaller bikes too uh, for the hundreds of millions of people that live in india uh, at a very low price at a reasonable quality and then, uh, lo and behold, it was bought by a fellow who really, or a company, I think it was a fellow, but it might have been a company, doesn't matter, who took them into the 20th and 21st century. Uh, they they upped their uh, 
quality so that they would match European standards for safety and pollution and <clears throat> all those other neat things. And they moved back to England, first the, the selling, and then they moved some of their factories back there. So you get this long, incredible, honest uh, lineage. And it is just a real nice looking motorcycle. And I am a fan of big singles. That uh, big single is 650 or thereabouts. Uh, the Norton Manx kind of got my heart when I first started noticing them. And then the Suzuki Savage. And then I took a look at these Royal Enfields when I moved over to the Philippines, and I thought, you know, that'd probably go pretty good here, but yeah, trying to get one into the country was not going to be easy, and nobody was selling them, and you couldn't get spare parts, so I walked away from that the same way I walked away from the Bonneville that used to be in Dumaguete. I don't know, it could still be there. Uh, it was a nice bike, but it hadn't been run for 20 years, and the closest you could get parts was Australia, and they were going to cost a fortune. And so even if I could get them parts and I somehow got the mechanical ability to get it running, keeping it running would have killed me. So instead of a old English Bonneville, it was a new Honda 155, which worked well enough until I got into an accident with a pack of dogs. Missed most of them, but the last one knocked me down, and my uh, lady was with me, and we got a few scratches and bruises and decided to heck with it. Went into a car and then eventually couldn't drive that, but that's the other thing, and that's another story, and this has gone on long enough. So, uh, so much for tonight. Take a look at that. They got all sorts of reviews on uh, YouTube. Royal Enfield, uh, 500cc or 650. They make a real nice 650. But the bullet, B-U-L-L-E-T-T, -T, is what it used to be called. I think it, you could still do it if you did Royal Enfield bullet or just Royal Enfield. You'll find the... 500 cc single in there quite a bit so there you go folks uh stay safe stay smart wear a mask we'll probably with any luck at all talk to you tomorrow bye bye for now